Amen, amen. You brought a Bible, say yes. And uh, invite you to open it with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. If you're visiting, we've been going verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke, and we find ourselves now in chapter 24. I want to talk to you this morning really on just having a good new year. All right, so I'm going to do a New Year's uh, basic message where I'm really going to challenge us. You know, New Year's is one of those. Uh, fresh starts for every single one of us. I enjoy sitting down and making goals, those kinds of things, and did that last week. I actually put together a spiritual uh, formation plan for my life this year and put one together for our staff here as well. And I know many of you have probably sat down and made some type of goal for the new year. So let me kind of uh, ask you, because you know in America, like we love New Year's resolutions. I bet you, all right, are y'all listening say yeah? I bet you cannot guess what the number one resolution in America is. Can anybody guess what it is? Lose weight. Y'all are as smart as the other two services, all right? That's exactly right. And it's amazing because uh, the gym memberships peak. I mean, everybody's signing up. They want to eat healthy and lose some pounds. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? And then January 2nd hits, right? It's like whatever, all right? But uh, this morning, what I felt the Lord really wanted me to challenge you on was to consider how you're going to respond this year when things don't work out as you planned. When goals aren't met, when hopes are shattered, when dreams maybe aren't actually lived out, how are you going to respond? You know, it's kind of wild because we've got two disciples in Luke chapter 24 who are leaving Jerusalem headed to Emmaus. And the reason they're leaving Jerusalem is because Jesus has been crucified. And they looked forward to see Jesus becoming the king and set up a kingdom right there in Jerusalem. Their hopes were shattered. They planned to be a part of it. Their plans were totally wrecked. So now they're leaving. They're headed back. And we're going to learn how they respond. And we're going to find principles from the Scripture that are going to help every single one of us this year. So are you all ready for that? Say, yeah. All right, Luke 24. That was like four of you. Are you all ready for that? Say, yeah. I'm ready to preach it. So Luke 24. Stand with me in honor of God's Word this morning. And uh, we'll begin reading there in verse 13. The Bible says, Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing Jesus. And Jesus said to them, uh, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleophas, uh, answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who is unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And they said to Jesus, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed and in the word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Jesus to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now notice verse 21 again. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us have amazed us. When they were at the tomb earlier in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but Jesus they did not see. And so Jesus said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. As they approached the village where they were going, Jesus acted as though he were going further. But they urged him saying, stay with us. 
for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now uh, nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. I love verse 31. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized Jesus, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up in very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. So let's bow together. Father, we praise you for your word this morning. ask that you have planted into our hearts and that as your followers, we will learn how to respond when things don't go as we plan. We trust you to take the word today and transform us, making us more like your son Jesus. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that if there's someone here today who does not know you personally, that you would draw them to salvation. We'll give you glory for how you work. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So you guys be seated. So here we have it, right? Two grieving disciples headed out of Jerusalem, and they are having a conversation about the death of the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, he says, we were hoping that it would be he who would redeem Israel. So they had their plans, they had their goals, they had their dreams and their hopes, but all seemed to be lost when it didn't work out the way they had imagined. They thought the Lord Jesus was going to come into Israel, overthrow the Roman Empire, establish an Israelite kingdom and reign forever. And so they were looking forward to that. They were hanging out with Jesus, anticipating their role in the kingdom. But then Jesus was put to death. So they were grieving. You know, psychologists tell us that there are five stages of grief whenever somebody dies. These are the stages that they may experience. They may first experience denial. They can't believe that it happened. They may experience uh, anger where internally they are raging against what has happened because they have no control over death. And then thirdly, they may uh, enter into a stage of bargaining where they think somehow or another that if they would have just done something differently, if they would have found out the news earlier, if they would have responded differently, then the outcome would be different. And then there's the fourth stage, which is depression and sadness. And it begins to swallow over a person. And then finally, they experience the fifth stage of acceptance. Now, as I looked at those five stages of grief, I wondered what stage these two men were in. As they were headed back to Emmaus, what were they experiencing? Well, notice verse 13 and 14 again. Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all of these things which had taken place. Now, Luke mentions here that they were talking. It is a Greek word that literally means to banter ideas back and forth. Chuck Swindoll notes, undoubtedly, with great emotion, as the two sought answers to the questions, what happened? Or, where did it all go wrong? So if you think about their conversation, as they're walking down the road, if they were experiencing any of these stages of grief, one of them would have been shock and denial. They said, I can't believe this has happened. How in the world could Jesus have been crucified? And then there would have probably been some anger. They could have become extremely anger at the fact that Jesus got them so fired up about the kingdom, but then got himself crucified. And then they may have very well moved into bargaining, where they would begin to say, you know, if we would have only been with Jesus, if we would have hung out with him that night, maybe he wouldn't have been arrested, maybe then he wouldn't have been tried and sentenced to death. 
And then it's amazing here, verse 15 through 17 talks about another stage of grief, which is depression. Notice what the Bible says. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. And I love this. Uh, but their eyes were presented from, or prevented from recognizing him. And Jesus said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And then notice this, and they stood still looking sad. So there's another stage. It's depression. All right, sadness. They had become extremely delusioned over the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 18 says, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Now look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball. What is the guy saying? He's basically looking at Jesus and saying, where have you been, man? Has your head been in the sand? Are you living on some different planet? Everybody's talking about what's going down in Jerusalem. Where have you been? Now, it's pretty interesting, right, because we know the rest of the story. Jesus is going to reveal himself in a minute, isn't he? I think about this guy. It's like, I wonder if he thought, man, I can't believe I said that to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Where have you been? It's pretty wild here. And there's no doubt, right, the things that are being experienced in the life of Jesus Christ had been talked about among all of Jerusalem. Look at verse 19, though, because Jesus is like, what things? And then they said, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all of the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. No doubt, right? The events that happened in the darkness had now been brought to light. Jesus was arrested in the nighttime. He was carried before Caiaphas. He was carried before Ananias. He was also carried before the Sanhedrin. And then the Bible tells us that the Sanhedrin chose to put Jesus into the presence of Pilate. Pilate handed him over to Herod, Herod back to Pilate. Before you know it, all of the crowds are shouting, crucify him, crucify him, put him on the cross. And that's exactly what they did. So that which they started in the night now had become day, and now the lights were turned on. Everybody in the city knew what was going on with Jesus Christ. Verse 21, and this is it, right? They say, we were hoping, here's what we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And besides all this, on the third day, since all of these things have happened. So the translation is very simple. They are saying life is not turning out as we had planned. Our dreams, our hopes, our goals are not being realized. Now, what are we supposed to do? And plus, there's this rumor going around. Somebody's like, what rumor is it that's happening? Well, verse 22, some women amazed us. When they were uh, at the tomb earlier in the morning and did not find Jesus' body, they came saying that he also had seen a vision. They had also seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But Jesus they did not see. Now, y'all understand what's happening here, right? They are talking specifically about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, can I just say something? Side note, look at the preacher, eyeball to eyeball. Had Jesus not got up from the dead, all of us would still be in our sin. Jesus' resurrection puts a stamp on every single thing that he ever said and ever did. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. All right? What gives authority to that statement? The resurrection. Jesus got up from the dead, which gave proof that God the Father accepted his death on the cross as satisfactual payment for the sin of the world. So he's alive today. Are y'all still out there? Say yeah. So if you believe he got up from the dead, just say amen. Right? He's alive. So that's an awesome point. Now, check out what Jesus said to them. He's like, oh, foolish men, and you who are slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. 
Now, the idea here of being foolish speaks of a person refusing to use their mental capabilities. I I see this all the time in my house with four children. Y'all with me, right? It's like, where are your brains? And really, that's the deal. He's like, why aren't you using your mind? You're not thinking properly. And then he even says, you who are slow of heart. It speaks of the inability to believe what was written about the Messiah, King, in the Old Testament. And so I love this. Jesus turns this journey into a time to actually teach truth. So he opens up to them the Word of God. He teaches from the book of Moses, or from Moses, which are the first five books of the Bible, which Moses authored. And he shares with them how Moses spoke of the Messiah who was to come. He also shared how God used all of the prophets to prophesy of the coming Messiah King. And he reminded them that the Messiah King was supposed to go to death and to perish even on a tree. Isaiah prophesied that in the Old Testament. So Jesus now is using the Word of God to actually declare who He is. I love that. And I will say this to you very quickly. Look at the preacher, eyeball to eyeball, right? This is huge. Jesus Christ is King. Say amen. All right, so here's the deal. Men did not crown Him as King. God the Father did. And that which God has done cannot be irrevoked. It is absolute and it is certain. Jesus Christ is indeed the king. He's been coronated by God the Father, given a kingdom, and the Bible says he is coming again. (laughs) Now, y'all still with me, right? So that's the longest introduction to a sermon I've ever had in my life. Just letting you know that right now. But it's all leading to the key question. These two men had hopes, dreams, and plans all centered around the kingdom and Jesus. And yet their plans were messed up when Jesus died. So now, how are they going to respond? You have plans, hopes, dreams. You want to live this manner. You want to have this occur in your life. The question is, are you going to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in his story? Or are you going to still continue to try to live out your own story? And then how do we respond when life doesn't work out as we have planned? How do we respond? Three ways. Here it is. First of all, when life doesn't go as planned, may our eyes be open to Jesus. Hey, write that down. Put it somewhere. Man, I want you to look at that throughout the year. Whenever things don't go as you had planned, begin to pray. God, open my eyes to see Jesus in this situation. Look at verse 28 in your Bible. The Bible says they approached the village where they were going, and Jesus acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, stay with us. It's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized Jesus, and then Jesus vanished from their sight. Now, let's kind of break that down for a second, all right? So they're hanging out with this stranger walking out of Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's getting dark. They look at a perfect stranger and say, come over and spend the night with us. Now, how many of you will be down with inviting a perfect stranger to spend the night in your house? Y'all all right with that? So you've been hanging out at Walmart and it just gets dark and you're like, just come on over and stay at my house. <laughs> I was just seeing what y'all would say. Nobody said anything. They just looked at me crazy. You wouldn't do that. Well, we don't do that in Western culture. But in Eastern culture, it was considered rude if it were getting dark and you didn't invite a traveler into your home. So it was Eastern culture. Actually, they were supposed to invite them over. Now, what's amazing here, and really uh, something that I'd never seen before that I just totally dug. I want you to listen to this. They were doing, are y'all listening? Say, yeah. They were doing the normal thing of life. 
a mundane activity, inviting this guy over to their house so that they can feed him, give him a place to lodge for that night as he continues to journey on. So this was a normal Monday. This wasn't some out of the ordinary. This was just some regular old thing that is occurring. But it's amazing here as they begin to eat that meal together, as he breaks the bread in that mundane activity, Jesus reveals himself to them. Now, I want you to listen, all right, because this is, this is mad. Here's a great quote for you, all right? Some of our Lord's best visits are those we do not expect. They come at some of the lowest times in our life, when a mate has walked away, when a loved one has died, when we're released from work, when the lessons of life seem unintelligible, when a sudden twist sends life into a different direction, when goodbye takes a friend. Then Jesus subtly shows himself to you and I. So really, the bottom line is open your eyes. It is in those times of lowliness when dreams are shattered, when goals are not being realized, it's in those times that Jesus may reveal himself in the most subtle of ways. And I can't tell you how many times this has happened in my life where the Lord has just flat out shown himself to me as um, I realized immediately, man, that the things that I had set in front of me just were not occurring the way I had planned. And whenever disillusionment and discouragement kind of drop in on me like an unwanted guest, it's amazing how the Lord, through the mundane things of life, can begin to display himself to me. The mundane things of life, like through the phone call of a friend, the Lord displays himself. Through the statement made to me by someone over lunch, the Lord displays himself. Through the strong hug of one of my children, the Lord displays himself. Or through an encouraging word from even some of you here. Right? The Lord has displayed himself. There have been times that I've been extremely discouraged, even walking the halls here, and somebody's just said something, it was just perfect, man. It was like God himself spoke. It's amazing, isn't it? Through the mundane things of life, the Lord desires to show himself. Also, I got to thinking that for these two men, right, headed out of Jerusalem back to Emmaus, how distant God must have felt to them. Here they had all these hopes and these aspirations, these dreams. They were so fired up about what God was doing. And then Jesus went to the cross and he died and he breathed his last breath. And they had to be thinking as they were leaving, what is God up to? God, where are you? Why do you feel like you have just disengaged from the world? Why is it that you feel so distant from me? Well, check this out, and I want you to listen. When God seems to be the most distant, he could be standing right in front of you. And that's the deal. Some of you came to church and you're like, where's God? I don't know what the Lord's doing. I feel like the Lord's just, I mean, miles and miles away. May the Lord open his eyes, open your eyes, so that you might see that Jesus himself may be standing right there in front of your face. <laughs> Man, when the Lord seems crazy distant, when dreams aren't being realized, when goals are not being met, and you are discouraged and disillusioned, and may the Lord just show up. Be like, here I am, still working. Y'all ready for point number two, yeah? Y'all aren't with me this morning. Y'all ready for point number two? <laughs> Thank you. I was going to preach it like regardless, even if y'all weren't with me. So when life doesn't go as planned, point number two, may our hearts be kindled as we hear the Lord Jesus speak. May our hearts be kindled as we hear the Lord Jesus speak. Verse 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us 
as we walked on the road and he was speaking to us while he was explaining the scriptures to us and they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them saying the Lord is really risen he's appeared to Simon awesome verse right there were not our hearts burning within us and what a statement right the word burning here from the Greek New Testament literally means uh, to light a lamp or to kindle a fire for warmth so here we see it the men are identifying with the fact that as they spoke with Jesus and Jesus spoke to them that their hearts which were like a fire that was just about to go out had been rekindled by the Word of Christ <laughs> this is a uh, pretty slick right um, all right so Paul the Apostle he writes to Timothy at the end of his life. He says, I want you to do two things. All right, I want you to bring two things to me. Bring first uh, a blanket because I'm physically cold. Secondly, bring to me the parchments or the word of God. Why is he wanting that? Because spiritually he feels cold. He needs to be covered up. Could you be here this morning and feel that way? Spiritually cold. God seems distant, but he wants to display himself to you. And what you need to do, man, is you just need to sit down and allow God through the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the word and warm up your soul. My kids and I and wife, we all went bowling yesterday. And uh, I beat my wife bowling. Just letting you know. And she'll try to say something else, but she used bumpers. Are y'all all right? Who can't do well with bumpers? Y'all with me? <laughs> I know, man. It's pretty amazing, though, right? Before we jumped in the van, we hollered at our kids, you know, in a nice tone, right? Get your coats on, it's freezing outside. We would never think of going outside in freezing weather without a coat on. Why would we ever think we should live this life without the Word of God? What are we thinking? I'll tell you this too, man. We've been building fires at the house like crazy. Since I've moved to Lula, I've learned how to build a fire. Can I get a witness on that, all right? I've also learned how not to build one. Do not use gasoline in your fireplace. It's not a wise decision, all right? Seems smart. Gas. God bless you. But here's the deal. So yesterday, the fire's going down, and you can see it going down. So I go out, and I get a log, and I put it on there. The fire's still going down. So I just kind of get down real gently, right, right before the fireplace, and I just begin to blow. Now check this out. As I blew, I could begin to see the embers all of a sudden because, uh, that were black just turned blood red, man. All of a sudden from that blood red ember, phew, a flame struck up. Fire started immediately. Now I can't tell you how many times I've been discouraged in my life where things haven't worked out as I had planned. I can remember a time about four or five years ago, man, where I was just broken. I thought the Lord had totally forgot about me. He felt so distant. I got before God and I said, God, you've got to come through. I've got to hear from you. You've got to speak to my heart. Speak to me. Right? Show yourself. And there on my knees with the word of God open, God took me to the book of Psalm. And can I show you what it's like? It was like this. It's like the Lord just reached down while I was sitting there in my brokenness, about the fire about to go out. It's like the Lord just went and rekindled in my heart that which was just about to die. Some of you are here this morning, that's how you feel. It's like you think your life is just ruined, you haven't been living it right, and things aren't going as planned, and man, you've been doing this and the other, and you feel like you're just so spiritually cold. Warm up by the fire, man. Get into the Word of God. God speaks to us through His Word. Why in the world would you go another day apart from the Word of God? It makes no sense. 
Be warmed by the fire. And as Jesus speaks to you, he will kindle your heart, and you will come even out of a time alone with the Lord's hand was not my heart. Kindle! As I sat with God. Point number three. Here we go. When life doesn't go as planned, may his story become clear to us. Verse 35, they began to relate their experience on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Check this out now. Y'all got to see it, all right? So the guys are headed to Emmaus. They're hanging out in Emmaus. And then all of a sudden they realize what happened. They get back on the road to go back to Jerusalem. And as they're going, they're like, man, our hearts were strangely warm. We were set on fire by Jesus. And then they're going back. And it's amazing the difference in their attitude on the way back to Jerusalem than it was when they left Jerusalem. When they left, they were grieving. They thought nothing was going right. All had been lost. And when they were headed back, their story had radically changed. Look at the preacher. You know why their story radically changed? Are y'all listening? Say yes. This is why their story radically changed. Because their story became swallowed up by his story. And listen, whenever you really get along with God and God begins to work in your heart and change you and use you, it's in those moments that his story overshadows your story and that which you were seeking to do is not so important anymore. And it is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. I swear it's that. Are, are y'all listening? Some of you need that experience. And you need that today. Not last week, not next week, today. God wants to give that to you. He wants to show himself to you strong. He wants to kindle your heart on fire. He wants his story to overwhelm yours. This sermon gets better every service. I wish we had another. So there's a guy in our church, right? Tom Zerzolo is his name. Uh, a good friend of mine, I got to know him a good bit over the past year. God's just been doing a great work in his life, right? Tom came to know the Lord Jesus a year ago uh, this month. Life was changed, baptized over here in this baptismal pool. Had the privilege to do that. And man, it's amazing. But something happened in Tom's life that he wasn't planning to happen, all right? Things were not going to turn out the way he had hoped and dreamed. And that which happens, he went to the doctor and found out he had cancer. And the doctors were saying they could do nothing for him. I remember I had kind of gotten the news from some people through the, the Concord Grape Vine. <laughs> Somebody write that down, all right? But anyway, so I got the news, and, uh, and I was looking for Tom as he walked over into the foyer out here, and I said, Tom, man, tell me what's going on. Tom, you know, he's always smiling, right? So Tom's smiling at me, and uh, he says, man, I've got a, I, I guess I've got a date with Jesus. I said, Tom, man, let, let, let me pray for you, bro. Let me, let's pray together. And, and the foyer, man, we begin to... Uh, seek the Lord, and I, mean, I, I don't mind like praying for healing. Y'all all right with that? You're like, you're a Baptist. Well, I'm a good Baptist. Y'all all right? So I pray, God, heal him. Do a supernatural work in his life. Show yourself strong. And man, uh, Tom's here today. He's got a story to share. So y'all, welcome Tom as he comes. Tom, come up here, buddy. Give it up for him as he comes. And Tom, I've kind of already shared a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. I know Dallas Van Scooten actually invited you to church, right? And then he came after his second time being here. He uh, came forward, gave his heart to Christ. And uh, I mean, I could say so much more. He's been in some grow groups that I've been teaching. Man, it's just amazing what the Lord's been doing in his life. But tell us what's been going over the past uh, month or so. Good morning. I, uh, I want to share an amazing spiritual journey 
that I've been on. Um, a year ago, this month, um, I was in a truck driving with Dallas Van Scoten down the road. He told me about your church. But I didn't come when he said. But I did come last January. And after the second time I was here, I was sitting in this seat. I, I made a decision. And I wanted to turn my life over to Christ. A week later, I was baptized. I began to get to know the people in this church. And little did I know that God was putting all these people in my life for something that I didn't know about. Late fall, I wasn't feeling well. So I go to the hospital and told them I had chest pains. And uh, so I stay overnight. The doctor comes in the next morning and says, Mr. Z, I got some good news. You've got a strong heart. You got nothing wrong. But he said, you need to go see a doctor. I found some mass collections in your lymph nodes. Wasn't planned. <laughs> um, so he told me to go see a doctor. Well, I didn't go. And then about a waited, I waited about a week. So I go to the doctor. And the doctor says, I'm sorry. I can't help you. You need to go see an oncologist. It's like, wow. Didn't see that coming. So I go to the oncologist and the surgeon, and he says to me, you have a rare cancer. I can't help you. You have to go to a cancer center down in Atlanta, Emory. So next, the next night, of course, you grab all your family, and you get them around you. You tell them some news. But the stubborn Italian in me had made an appointment to see one more doctor. And I went to the third doctor, who was a radiation oncologist guy. Same thing. He said, Tom, there's nothing I can do for you. And I remember walking out to my Jeep. And I got in and I cried the whole way down the road. This wasn't planned. This is not what I thought was going to happen. Little did I know that Friday night, that was on a Friday afternoon, about 3.30, and God said, revealed himself to me right then when I was in that Jeep that... Uh, of his presence, and I felt my world had stopped. And I was scared. Well, before that, knowing all, knowing all this, we had planned to go to a concert, a Chris Tomlin concert. So here I am at 3.30 in the afternoon, finding out this news, but at 
It was with people praising God, singing, speaking of joy and hope. Well, that was Friday night. Saturday, I just kind of collected my thoughts and was on my knees. I felt that God had wanted to talk to me, that I was the center of his attention. So Sunday, I come to my Sunday school class. And I come from a Catholic background before a year ago. I didn't have Sunday school classes with Jay and Nicole. I didn't have grow groups. But I did now. And I shared to them what was going on right here in Claremont and Lula, Georgia. And they came over and they laid hands on me. And they prayed for me. I'd never experienced anything like that. And after, after that, I came and saw a preacher in the lobby and said I had, a, I had some meetings with Jesus. I knew that I had to trust him. And I got trust issues. I didn't have no tools to fix this. I couldn't call my friends, nothing. So during that Sunday school class, Tanya and Kevin Woody gave me a piece of paper. I said, James, read this. James, book of James, first chapter one, verse two. Endure all trials with joy. I don't know about you, or if you have cancer, or if you know of somebody that has cancer, I wasn't feeling joy. I was scared. But it took a couple days to get to one of my closest and best friends, who's traveled a long way and actually is here today. And we're sitting on the phone talking, and I'm telling him what's going on. And he says, why not? Why not? Up to this point, everybody was saying, we're going to keep you in our prayers. We're praying for you. And boom, Chad says, why not? And right there, God showed me he had gone through so many trials. And Chad said, you're, you're up. It's your test. So I had... Why not every day? I was reading Job, and I was having meetings on my knees with Christ. And then he started to put people in place. Sarah Carmichael said, you know, you're going to have some problems with your immune systems. And she prepared a room for me. God gave me shelter. I had a meeting with her family. And I said, look, I'm Italian. I said, there's more of me and they will come. <laughs> she said, bring on the food. <laughs> and they did come. They did come. 
uh, Dallas Van Scoten called me and said, look, I, I hear what's going on. He said, uh, if you need somebody to drive your 18-wheeler, I don't need no money. I'll just do it for you, get you on your feet. God showed me love and kindness and support. My family gathered all around me, brought an RV, sons, everything. I, I lacked nothing. And I was getting into this deep, deep relationship with Christ that I never, never could imagine. So I go down and introduce myself to the people at Emory. They said, we're going to help you. We're going to do a surgery. So we come back home, and then boom, I begin to feel all the power of prayer from groups, from everybody. And just, it was just amazing, the phone calls every day, the emails, and how much they meant, and the power of family and support, and this church family. We go to the hospital and you walk up the, they have these beautiful stairs and engraved in the floor is the word hope. And you come to the top of the stairs. It says a cheerful mind is a good medicine. Cheerful heart is a good medicine. And we took pictures by that. We had a great surgery. My family was all there. I had plenty of support, prayers. And two days before that, my director's Sunday school class, Jay Nicole, had sent me some emails and texts. And one of them was, the Lord has gone before you. And the other one was the numbers, 625, 624. May God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you peace. So I took that with me, and I thank Jay and Nicole for that. I had the why not, I had the family support, and now the take with me those, the Lord's gone before me, and it was great. So I'm coming home and recovering. Dallas was helping, family was, everybody was there. And a week later, I was having some drain issues. So I go back to the doctor, now, I'm laying on an exam table, my arm above my head, and he's stitching me up. And he says, I got a Christmas gift for you. He said, I got your lab results back. And I had him check it twice. He said, you don't have cancer. It's totally benign. Now, I can't do nothing because I got my arm right there, but as Jay and Nicole sent me, the Lord, I had to be still, and boom, right there it hit me. The Lord did go before me, and the, and the Lord did, was gracious and did shine his face upon me. So immediately I'm calling my family, and I call Pastor Levi. So let me tell you a story. 
And then he invited me here today to talk to all of you and share. And I'm so honored. And, you know, I told him one of the coolest parts of this story was my, my Sunday school class got me some fuel cards for my trips back and forth to Atlanta. And do you know that my God supplied the exact amount of fuel needed with those fuel cards to get through this trial? Amen. Amen. So I may not know you. Maybe I know your face. And maybe some of you I do know my family but you're all part of that right here right here I was sitting right here and you were all part of that together and you made me feel warm in this family in this church family and I stand before you so many blessings and with God's grace and his glory and his honor. I just want to say thanks to all of you, each and every one of you. Amen. Amen. Y'all give it up. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Awesome, awesome story. He, he actually called me and, and told me what was going on just as soon as I had finished writing the message, right? And I hadn't had a conclusion on it, on the message. So I said, hey, man, you're going to share that in church, all right? You are the conclusion of this message, all right? Works out perfect. I mean, things didn't go as planned, but God showed himself, rekindled his heart. I was thinking about it too, right? Those guys, they left Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus, and they were so down. But then when they headed back, they were fired up, right? Think about his story. He went into the hospital, down. He left fired up. The Lord worked in his life. Hey, listen, the Lord wants to work in your life too. I don't know what you're sitting out there for. Going well, he's not doing anything well. Call on him. He will work. Amen? Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for our time together in the word today. Pray that you continue to strengthen us in our walks with you. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed.